Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message I gave on Sunday morning, November 20th, 2022, from the Gospel of John in chapter 15. I have a question for you that is a, it's not a respond out loud question. This is a think about it and hold on to that thought as we go through this morning. Here's the question. When you are looking at measuring your own life, um, if you're evaluating your own life, what's the number one thing you go to first? What's the first thing that you think about when you start evaluating your own life? Maybe you have something immediately. Maybe it takes you a second like, "Mm, I don't know. I'm sure there are things and people in the world that would love to give you a list of this is how you evaluate how important a life is. But what about you? What do you look at first when you're measuring your own life? Okay, hold on to that, and we're going to come back to it. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus describes himself. He describes what he's like. He describes what he does in your life. It's kind of like a photo ID or like a a passport. And I think John wrote these down for us because he says at the end of his book, everything that I wrote down, I did so that you would believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that by believing you might have life in his name. He wants us to give our lives to Jesus. Okay, then tell me who you are. Here's who I am. He says seven different times, seven different things. Now, in some of the, the descriptions that Jesus gave of himself, there was like an implied thing about who you were and who, and who I am. He didn't say it out like outright, but like if Jesus says, I am the bread of life, then the implication is you're hungry. That's, that's who you are. I'm the bread and you're hungry. If Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, then the implication is you're stumbling around in the dark and you can't see very well. That's who you are. He didn't say it outright, but you know what he means. If Jesus says, I'm the gate for the sheep, if he says, I'm the good shepherd, then guess what? You're probably a sheep. So some, there's this kind of implied thing about if this is who I am, then this is who you are. So we're on the last one of these. And this was Jesus's last night with his guys when he gave this description. And we're running out of time in this gospel, we're running out of time before Jesus goes to the cross. So he doesn't even waste any time. He goes ahead and tells them exactly who they are. It's the only time in all seven of these that he explicitly says, this is who I am. And by the way, this is who you are. This was right after dinner. They had had the last supper. Jesus had already washed his disciples' feet. He had instituted communion, all of that. He told the guys that somebody was going to betray him. Judas left. The sun had gone down. They had more conversation. They sang a hymn, and then they left that room. When they left the room, they left the whole city. I don't know how long it took to get out of the city, but they went out of the city gates. They crossed the Kidron Valley under the cover, under the light of a full moon. We know it was a full moon because it was Passover. And then they crossed up this slope into the Mount of Olives. And on that slope, I'm guessing there was just a bunch of grapevines. They're like passing through a vineyard. And I don't know if they stopped in the middle of that vineyard. I don't know if, they, if he told them this once they got into the, into the you know, Mount of Olives and Garden of Gethsemane or what. But at some point, under the light of the full moon, and here we are passing through this vineyard, Jesus is like, hey, guess what? Here's the last one. I am like those vines and you are like those branches. It's very clear. 
Um, this was springtime, so the new growth in the vines had started to come up. It wasn't, you know, full and, you know, the, we're not, it wasn't, you know, harvest time or anything like that. By the way, when, when people grow wine grapes, what they do is after the harvest, they cut almost all the growth away so that all you're left with is like this little stump in the ground. That's the vine part. It's got all those roots going way down into the soil and into the limestone and all that stuff to, to suck up all the nutrients out of the earth and push it out into this new growth. These little branches that would come up in the spring and then you have a farmer that trains them, that pinches some of them off, that cuts some of them off, that ties some of them up. And Jesus said, here's where we are. I'm like that vine. My father is the farmer and you guys are the branches. I'm going to read it again. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. So this is to me, the, out of all seven of these, this is the clearest, simplest picture that Jesus ever gave. If you can imagine yourself under the light of that full moon, on this very strange night when things were very tense and they've got a lot of sorrow and Judas is gone and we don't know exactly what's going on. And Jesus says to them, you guys are a plant. Actually, you're part of a plant. You're not even the whole plant. You're just a part of a plant. You're part of a fruit bearing plant. And you're the part that bears the fruit. You're the branch part. Out of you, the, the leaves unfold and the blossoms bloom and then the, the cluster of fruit grows. But the thing is, is that in order for that to happen, you have to stay connected to the me part of the plant, which is the vine. That's where all the life and all the energy, all the resources come from. You actually don't have any life in you at all. You can't do any of what you're supposed to do unless you stay connected to the vine, to the stump, to the trunk. You're part of a plant. It's just so simple. It's like, yeah, yeah duh. You cut a branch off, it dries and dies. That's so simple. And he says, not only that, not only are you part of a plant, part of a fruit-bearing plant, the part that bears the fruit, and you have to stay connected, but you're part of a plant that needs help, that needs tending, that needs a person. You're not like one of those oak trees. Like in, at the house that we moved into, we moved in there, 14, 15 years ago, there was this beautiful, amazing, majestic American white oak right in the front yard. Still there. Thank goodness. And we don't have to, I didn't plant that tree and who knows who did however many years ago. And we don't have to do anything for it. We just enjoy its shade. And we enjoy in October when those green leaves just blaze red and orange. You don't have to do anything for it. It's just strong, mighty, wonderful. You just enjoy it. 
He said, that's not what kind of plant you are. And you're not like wildflowers. So just, they just come up and they're beautiful and they're gorgeous and you just enjoy them. You're not like that either. You're the kind of plant that needs a person involved in order for this to be good. I mean, it is possible that there are some wild wine grapes somewhere that maybe produce something. But if you want that plant to, to maximize its potential, somebody else has to be involved. And the people that grow grapes for wine or grapes for the table, they grow them in like rows in specific places in specific climates facing specific like parts of, you know, where the sun's going to come up and how the wind's going to blow. It's all a very, very particular process. And then as it grows, like they completely pay attention to what is producing and what's not producing. Some, some branches, they pinch them off. Some growth, they, they cut off completely. Some they tie up on little strings on trestles and stuff like that because they are trying to maximize the potential of this plant. I remember when Christy and I bought our first house in Oak Ridge, we had just lived in apartments. And so we bought a house and we thought, we'll get a, uh, we'll, we'll make like a flower bed. And so we're like, talked to our resident flower bed expert, which was Tom Job, of course. And we're like, what do I do? And he was like, this is what you want to do. And so he was like, so, okay, you're going to decide what part of the ground is going to be your flower bed. You're going to dig it up. You're going to put this kind of soil in. Then you're going to decide what plants. You need some annuals and perennials. Everything's better in threes. It was all this great explanation. We're like, awesome, told us what to buy. We did all the things. Here's how you mulch it. And then we, we made this flower bed. We stood back from it, and we were like, this is gorgeous. It was picturesque. You could put it on a magazine. About a week and a half later, Tom picked me up because we were going somewhere together. And I got in the car and he was like, your flower bed looks terrible. <laughs> and I was like, I know, it does look terrible. Like, what's the deal? Did you tell us like a wonky thing? And he was like, well, I mean, are you watering every night and weeding every day and deadheading? And I was like, well, no, no. And you made up that last thing. That's not a real thing. And he was like, no, you got to. Need to water at night so the water has time to go down, and you and you got to pull weeds every day. They're like Satan, and you got to pull them, and they just keep showing up. You got you're in a fight for your life. You got to pull them every day. And then he said, "No, deadheading means we had these impatience." He was like, "On those impatience, as soon as as soon as the shine is off that bloom, you got to pull that thing off of there." That and I was like, "Why?" And he said, "Because you don't want the plant sending any more resources to that little dead bloom." You want it sending all the energy to all the new little buds that haven't popped yet, that haven't bloomed yet. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And he was like, yeah. And, and I also said, it also sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> and then he kind of, and then Tom is a classic Tom. He said, ah, we have a bigger question. I was like, what's that? He said, do you want a flower bed? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to do this every day. Jesus said, you're part of a plant, but you're the part that grows the fruit, but you have to stay connected to the part where all the life and the energy come from because you don't have any of that. And you're part, you're, the, you're part of a plant that needs intervention, that needs help, that needs tending. You're part of a plant that needs a farmer, one who will pinch off stuff that doesn't need to be there, one who will cut off stuff that really, really doesn't need to be there, one who will lift up and tie up and promote things that maybe need some more sun or a different kind of breeze. And then you think about your life and some of the stuff that you've gone through and you're like, oh, is that the gardener? Did you pinch that out of my life? Did you cut that out of my life? Are you 
That time that I got lifted up, is that, was that you doing it? And Jesus is like, yes, it's such a clear picture. The Father is walking up and down the rows of every heart in this world, and he's lifting up leaves, and he's looking for something. He wants fruit. God is a farmer, and he's looking for fruit. Jesus is the source of that life. If you're going to grow anything, you have to stay connected to him. So 11 times in 10 verses, he says one word over and over again, remain, remain in me. When I was a kid, the, our translations always said abide. I never knew what that word meant, abide. It's just a word that means stay, stay, stay connected. And the plant analogy is so perfect. If you're not connected to that to that root, you are not going to grow anything. It's so simple. It's so cool. I love it. It explains so much about your life. Yes, this is where I got pruned, or this is where I got pinched, or this is where I got lifted up. It's beautiful. It's just a fantastic picture. I only have one problem with this, which is my problem is in verse 5. In verse 5, Jesus said, he said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I've been thinking about that like a lot this week, because the problem is, is that on one level, I don't see how that's true. And what I mean by that is, like, you can do a lot when you're not connected to Jesus. I mean, I know this is church and everything, but can we just be real about that right now? Like, you, people that are, don't have anything to do with Jesus, they can do a lot. They do do a lot. Um, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm like... I don't know. Apparently, you can waste billions of dollars on a company and run it to the ground in 11 days. I, I mean, you can, you can earn a Michelin star. You can run one of those crazy Yukon 400-mile ultra marathons. You can apparently get a bunch of people together and build a super collider. I don't even know what that is. Like you can do a lot without Jesus. You could build a life, a legacy, and LLC. But can you grow fruit? You can, you can have a dynasty, you can have safety and security, but can you grow fruit? You can get strong, you can get fit, you can get lucky, you can get rich quick, but can you grow fruit? You can have it all, you can have a ball, you can have yourself a merry little Christmas, but can you grow fruit? This is so interesting. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm scratching my head because I'm like, I think people do lots of stuff without Jesus. In fact, it really bothers me when people do stuff that Jesus has nothing to do with and then they like either blame or thank him about that. Like when somebody scores a touchdown, they're like, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I'm like, I don't think Jesus watches football. <laughs> I don't think he cares. To quote my dad, this is a violent game we play, son. I just don't know if he cares about it that much. Let's not bring him into this. You can do a lot without Jesus. What is he talking about? Okay, this is interesting. So you can do a whole lot of stuff in your life without Jesus, a whole lot of stuff. The problem is, is that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So apparently, apart from Jesus, you can do a whole lot of nothing. Now, before you get upset with me, I didn't say this. I didn't make this up. I, I'm not the one who said Jesus said this. So to figure out what this means, I think we need to look at who said it. And one of the things about him is he saw basically everything in the world different than everybody else does. So we're going to go back to the question we started with, which is when you want to look at your own life to evaluate it, what's the first thing you think about? What's the first thing you look at to measure? How am I doing? 
How's my life going? How am I evaluating it? Jesus said over in uh, Luke chapter 12, a person's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions. But we have the phrase net worth. And you can just Google people and you can just find out how much they're worth. And Jesus is like, that's not how much they're worth. It has nothing to do with what they're worth. Jesus said one time, the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is the servant of all. It's like, I thought the greatest was the leader. No, the greatest is the servant. If you even want to get into the kingdom of heaven, you have to turn and change and become like a little child. Wait a minute. I thought I had to get better and better, more skilled and more amazing the whole time. Keep growing and stuff like that. And Jesus is like, you can think that if you want to. I'm saying you have to change and turn and become like a little child. The one who said that you can do a whole lot of nothing is the one who sees virtually everything in the world completely different than the rest of the world sees it. Amen? Okay, so also to understand this, I think we need to not only look at who said it, but I think we need to take a second and look at when he said it. As far as I can figure, and this is not exact, so, you know, just hang with me on this. As far as I can figure, this was about 12 hours before Jesus went to the cross about 12 hours before he would die. Have you ever taken a minute to think about, what if it was 12 hours until I was dead? And I know that's heavy. I know that's probably not the way you normally like to spend your time. I love that Sarah Groves song, Coming, or Going Home, where she said, you are actually never too young to think about it. We're all going to face that someday. If I was 12 hours away from being done with this life right now, a really important question would be, if I, as I looked back at my life, what, were the, what would be the things I would be most proud of? Most pumped that I was involved in and that I gave energy to? I want you to do that for just a second. If, and we're going to just go ahead, go ahead and have a thought experiment. If, it, if you knew that it was 12 hours until you were going home, until you were done with this life, I want you to think just for a second, what is something that you were really proud that you put energy and time into? If you knew I'm going home in 12 hours, I'm so pumped that I was a part of that. Okay, here's another, the other side of that is, and this is not like a shame fest, like what would I have huge regrets about? I don't even want to bother with that stuff. Jesus nailed all my sins to the cross. Don't talk to me about regrets, okay? But if I knew that it was 12 hours until I was gone, what would be the things that I would like giggle about the most that I cared about and put energy into? Like, well, that was kind of silly. It's an interesting thought experiment. If I knew that I was 12 hours away from the end of my life, what would I be most proud of and what would I be giggling about? Jesus said this as he was looking at the end of his life. He said, hey, I just want to remind you guys of something. You're a part of a plant and you have to stay connected to me for your life to produce fruit. So what is fruit? Um, typically, whenever I've heard about this or heard about the scripture or whatever, or thought about it myself, I've always just assumed it meant like the fruit of the spirit, which is something that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter five. 
And I think this fruit of the Spirit that's, is amazing. It's something that the Holy Spirit wants to do in the life of all of us. He wants us to grow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We remember the songs from Vacation Bible School, so that was great. We all got there. But like, I don't know that this is what Jesus is talking about here. And one of the reasons is because even though those are things the Holy Spirit wants to and will grow in your life as you continue to walk with Jesus... You actually can have gentleness without having a life with Jesus. I'm sure that all of you know people who have joy and don't have any relationship with Jesus whatsoever, who love people in their life, who have extremely tightened down self-control and self-discipline. Those are things the Holy Spirit wants to grow in you and will grow in you as you walk with him. I don't know that it's what Jesus is talking about here because apparently whatever fruit means, it's something that you cannot do at all unless you're connected with Jesus. You can't do it at all. You can't make that happen. You have to have a life that is connected to the power, to the resources that Jesus provides. You have to stay connected to him in order to produce whatever it is the Father is looking for in your life. So let's say this. I, I'm not even going to tell you what I think it is. But I'm, what I know about it is, I know the Father is looking for it. And I know it's what he wants out of my life. And I know I can't get it without Jesus. So let's just say it's that. There's something in your life the Father is looking for, and you can't make it and you can't get it without staying connected to Jesus. And what it's like, it's somehow wrapped up in who you are and why you are you, and it's what God wants out of your individual life. And I don't even, again, I don't know specifically what that might be. The only thing I know for sure is you cannot and I cannot get it without staying connected to Jesus. So what do we do? We need to figure out what stay means. What does remain in Jesus mean? I'm really excited about this. And, um, and it's something that I have been, I've just been practicing all week. Um, it's not a new revelation or anything like that. It's not some new thing nobody's ever thought about or talked about or anything like that before. But there's this really cool thing that happens right after Jesus says this. Right after Jesus says this, down in verse 15, Jesus says, and by the way, a few weeks ago when we had three people talking about what is the Bible verse that changed your life, if they had asked me to do that, I would have done this one. That's just a sneak peek about me. This verse changed my life. Over in John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus said, No longer do I call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, because everything that Father's told me, I've told you. I've, I'm telling you everything. I want to be y'all's friends. You guys are my friends. Okay, so here's my thing. I want you to think about whoever your best friend is. Whoever that is. Maybe your best friend is your mate. Your spouse, I actually just saw a couple of spouses looking at each other and smiling. That was adorable, y'all. Well done. Okay, so maybe, you're, maybe your best friend is your mate, your spouse. Maybe your best friend is like one of your siblings or your mom or like your college roommate or whatever. Whoever your best friend is. Okay, you know that feeling, and y'all help me out here. Don't leave me on an island. You know that feeling of like when you're scrolling through, like you're in the scroll hole and you see some meme or something that's absolutely hilarious, and the first thing you do is text that to that friend? You know that feeling? Okay, I'm not the only one that does that, right? You know why you do that? Because as soon as the joy of that laugh hits you, you have a heart you want to share it with. Immediately, you want to laugh with somebody. 
You know that thing of like when something awful happens to you, like somebody says something really mean to you and immediately as soon as you can, you text or you call that best friend because you want them to go off with you and you want them to just kind of rant about how awful that other person is with you. You know why? Because when you have a best friend, your heart is longing for somebody to hurt with you and to some, for somebody to have your side, right? When you laugh, you want a heart to laugh with. When you need to rage, you want a heart to rage with. When you want to celebrate, you want somebody to high five you. Jesus is saying to these guys, I am the source of all of the energy that, that your life needs to make your life what it was always supposed to be and what the Father is looking for. And I need you to stay with me. I, and 11 times in 10 verses, he says, stay, stay, stay. What does that mean? He says, by the way, you guys are my best friends. Everything I've heard from the Father, I told you. Okay, what if you flip that around to him? What if you tell him everything? Everything that you're going through, tell him. He said, everything the Father's told me, I'm telling you. Why? Because you're my friends. What if you did that to Jesus? What if this week you just practiced making Jesus your best friend just a little bit more? Everything that you go through, tell him. Everything that makes you laugh, go to him about it. Everything that makes you hurt, talk to him about it. Everything that makes you afraid, call out to him and ask him about it. Lean into him. Stay connected with him. All I, all, all I know is the starting point for staying connected to Jesus is include him in every opening and closing of your heart. Does that make sense? Lean into him, talk to him, ask him, just be his best friend this week. Share everything with him, tell him everything. And whatever fruit looks like, whatever it is that the father is looking for in your life, it's going to start growing. The more you're connected with him, it's just going to start going. It's going to start growing. Run to him, share with him, give him everything. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Follow his commands, share your heart, lean into him more this week. Before you go into a conversation that's going to be hard, talk to him about it. When you're done with that conversation, debrief with him about it. Something makes you laugh, talk to him. Something makes you sad, cry with him. Make him your best friend. That's what he's saying to you, and I think that's what it means to stay. And I think the more we lean into him, we're going to see some fruit growing, and I can't wait to see what it is. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the chance to be together. Thank you for these words. And I'm praying that you would give us just moments where we feel like, oh, this is it. This is a moment for me to run to Jesus. This is a moment for me to lean into him. This is a moment for me to open my heart to him. This is a moment for me to do something he's telling me to do. Give us the experience of making you a little bit more this week our best friend. And help us to see that fruit to start to grow. We love you and thank you. It's in your name. Amen. When I needed rescue